Praise the Lord, everybody. Well, I know y'all would rather a double hitter. Probably was two good hitters at least, you know. It's got to be a whole lot better to see people hit home runs in the bun all the time. You know, you just swing at that sucker, swing at that sucker. But I'm going to swing at it tonight. I believe the Lord has placed something on my heart. He done me a little different than he normally does me. Usually I get a word, you know, it's fairly on the first, you know, 20 minutes of praying at least. This time he took me about two or three long prayers before he ever talked to me. And I was like, oh, Lord, here we go. We got... One of these is going to happen. Well, finally, he gave me a word, and I do believe that it is a word directly from the Lord. Otherwise, I would have probably got something on the first go-around. Anyway, if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Luke 22 and 32. While they are turning, I want to say how much of an honor it is to stand behind this pulpit. Throughout the 20. Seven years I've been here. It's been a lot of great preachers come throughout this pulpit and preach behind here. None other better than Brother Stevenson himself. And it's a hard thing to follow. Yes, you can clap, Brother Stevenson. He deserves it. I want to give him honor too for for believing in me, even though sometimes I think he's believing in something that probably won't won't never grow. But he keeps telling me I'm growing, so maybe I'm growing a little bit. Luke 22 and 32 says, But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. That's all I got. So y'all can go ahead and sit on down for a little while. Y'all just stand there and stare at me for 15 minutes. That's all I got. Just kidding. As a church body, we long for revival in this land. We long to see our souls saved, our children to be saved, prodigals to come home, our spouses to be filled with His precious name, conversion to be made in all the other denominations, to be one true body. Each person in here has a loved one that they would do anything to see in this church. We know families that have left the church and haven't returned. We have come to be acquainted by settling And telling ourselves, I'll just live it in front of them. They'll come to God. I'm going to live it in front of them. Some even invite them to church and it seems like they're ignored. We try to accommodate our schedules with actions that truly do mean we care. This is the part that I'd like to pause and say, I like shouting messages. I love shouting pumped up messages. But not all the time is it a pumped up shouting message. And even as hard as it is to pour it out of my mind whenever I'm a screamer. It's hard for me to come to you and tell you the burdens of my heart when it hurts me. Nobody wants to pull off a scab. Nobody wants to to talk about the hurt things. Nobody wants to relive memories in your mind of thinking, Boy, I really messed up this whole time on myself. Boy. Did I pray for him like I really should have prayed for him? But in the present day preaching with its pale interpretation of its divine truths causes us to mistake actions for unction, commotion for creation, and rattles for revival. We have to get on the track of God for what he longs for, for what he feels, and what he wants us to feel. 
It's time for the church to pray like Jesus prayed. For when Jesus prayed for Peter, he knew his time drew near. And at that time, he wasn't wasting no prayers. He wasn't going and doing a patty cake prayer. Instead, he prayed until blood come out of his face. And then he walked up to Peter and he said, pray and keep on going. Hold it and pass it down because they're going to get weary. They're going to fall. Peter done a lot like I would have done. Brother, Brother Stevenson, I'll do anything for you. Call me. I'll mow your grass. I'll pick up your limbs. I'll do anything for you. But you know what Jesus told him? He said, no, you'll deny me three times before the morning. Sure enough, he denied him three times before the morning coming. It's me. This is preaching to me as much as it is. As if it touches you, then great. But this message tonight, well, it wasn't for you. It was for me. As I begin to pray and begin to talk to myself, I begin to think, when's the last time that I shared a tear for somebody else? When's the last time that I hurt my knees and hurt my back and blew blood vessels under my face for my lost brother? When have I? The secret to the revival isn't dorms in a new church. It's not family and friends day. It's not even a well-planned organ and organized outreach program. Instead, it's praying for them like you was in their shoes. It's weeping on our faces and begging God to intervene on someone else's life even though you don't know exactly what they're going through. That you will stand and you will pray and you will say, God, please touch my brother. I talk about my brother and it's a, not a very good, not a very, you know, whatever coincidence that he called me right before church. He said, what are you doing? I said, nah, I'm at the church. Oh, well, I'm just getting off the rig, you know. And I'm sitting here thinking, yeah, God, you really do work, you know. And you put him on my heart. Put him in my heart. And he called me. He said, well, you know, I got to work Saturday and Sunday. And I said, well, the devil tried to work on that one. I won't be able to get him Sunday, but I'll get him Wednesday. But he had put it on my heart. He had confirmed that, Jeremy, you're on the right track. You're going in the right way. We must be urging in our prayers to stand in the gap for others. Psalms 106 says, Therefore he said that he would destroy them had not Moses, his chosen, stood before him in the breach. To turn away his wrath. Lest he should destroy them. Now. Old Moses probably didn't stand there and say. Pick me God. Pick me to pray for these people. But he did. Just as he picked each and every one of you. To pray for your people. Pray for his people. Keep his people. We must be the ones that stand in the gap like Moses. As Moses was pleading with God time and time again, I can imagine his patience begin to wear thin. I bet he thought about giving up a few times as I have. For I bet he felt the same praying day in and day out was getting nowhere that nobody could hear him. The feeling that I could just place myself somewhere else 
get away from these people, get me a break, then I come back probably a little stronger in a couple weeks. But instead, he continued to pray. He continued to press on and ensure that God's people would be able to see the promised land. That not everybody would fall to the wayside. That some people would jump on that wagon and get a hold of God and go farther with God. Because we got a youth group here that ain't just going to sit down beside it. They're going to get in line and they're going to say, hey, you know what? My buddy's in school. They ain't living for God, but I'm going to keep praying for them anyway. They cuss me and they talk about me behind my back, but you know what? I'm going to pray for them. I love them. For that promised land is just on the other side of revival. For if we want revival, we must be willing to stand in the gap for the lost. We have a mistaken prayer for a defense mechanism. Praying off every evil spirit that could come against us. Praying us through the day. Praying for God to break our chains. And he will. But it's not a defense mechanism when in fact the shield of faith is instead that. But as we have a secret weapon in our arsenal, and it is prayer. If we can pray with the urgency of if I pray that they will move, if we will believe that, then it will happen. For as I begin to think and I begin to pray, I walk around the church and I begin to lay my hands on people's pews and I begin to press as hard as I can to really feel what God wanted me to feel. And as he began to show me all the people who have slipped between my fingers who I didn't get to reach. One of my baby brothers, Avery James. Good looking boy. But he's lost. He comes to my house. He looks at me in my face. Talks to me like I'm his brother. Asks me about buying land. Asks me about what he ought to do in his job. And I go home. I sit in my house with my kids looking at me. With Bibles in my on my bookshelves, with Holy Ghost in my heart, but my knees didn't hurt. Yeah, you could look at me and you could believe. Yeah, you know, God, I did answer your prayers. I'm the same young boy that some of you saw shout right off the end of this platform many years ago, begging my God to save my daddy, and He did. But it was a sense of urgency in my heart. It was a sense of urgency that my daddy was fixed to die lost. Where did it go? Jeremy instead, he pushed it away to the background. Begin to pray for herself. Begin to say, God, lighten my load. We have mistaken prayer for defense mechanism and the secret weapon. Is prayer to the revival. Leonard Ravenhill wrote, I have heard a call. Come follow. That was all. Earth's joy grew dim. My soul went after him. I rose and followed. That was all. Will you not follow if you hear a call? 
Could a mariner sit idle if he heard the drowning cry? Could a doctor sit in comfort and just let that patient die? Could a fireman sit idle, let men burn and give no hand? Can you sit at ease in Zion with the world around you damned? There's people across the street. There's people in your family. There's people in my family that may not ever see the other side of glory. That may not ever touch those nail-scarred hands. That may not ever walk down them streets of gold. But that ain't what it's all about. Instead, I pray to save people from that other place. That place of burning. For it's for no man. It's time that the church gets in the gap. It's time we pray like we've never prayed before. They're in need of you. They're in need of you in your prayers. They're in need of you to place them in your prayers. Who all is appointed to pray. 1 Timothy 2 and 1 says, I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, and intercessors, and giving of thanks be made for all men. It didn't just say for preachers. It didn't just say for mamas and daddies. It didn't say for brothers. It's for all men. We were designed to pray for each and every one of us. It's embedded so deep in us that it's our first go-to when things go wrong. Somebody has an accident out here on the road, 90% of us will go, oh my God. And you say it, you don't even think about it. It's because God embedded it in your DNA. He placed it in you at the beginning and said, I'm the one you run to when times are in trouble. I'm the one you need to be worried about. I'm the one you need to be asking. But we don't think about him until that, oh my God moment. Exodus 20 and 7 says, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold them guiltless that taketh his name in vain. How many of the world today don't even know Jesus' name? But you get away, you get in front of them, and something happens to them, and they go, Jesus Christ. We've heard it. As I watch TV, not TV, I don't have a TV. As I watch my phone, actually, I hear people that don't live a godly life. And they use Jesus in everything. And I'm thinking, do you even know Jesus? Because if you knew Jesus, you wouldn't be worried about the things you've been worrying about. You wouldn't be worried about planting a million trees, trying to get all them followers. No, you'd be worried about touching a million souls. At the end of every video that they'd post, they'd say, here's a video, here's a Scripture for you to read. Acts 2.38, please be saved. Please share this scripture. Don't share my video. Share this scripture. We can't wait on pastor to pray. We have the power to speak the name. 
when you step out and declare your family to be saved, God will be there. God will honor your prayers. He hears you. The Bible says, Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. If you're the one knocking, then you're the one praying. If there's no knock on that door, I truly encourage you tonight to find a prayer stone. Find somewhere to sink your face into. Find somebody where you have a burden for. As I begin to close, would you stand all over this place tonight with me? I believe the, the Lord has pressed on somebody's heart in this place. Somebody's name. A face. A friend. A brother, a mother, a husband, a wife. I believe that their name could be called out to glory. And the God of gods can hear. The King of kings and the Lord of lords will honor you. There are three persons living in each of us. The one we think we are. The one other people think we are. And the one God knows we are. It's time the church rises up and dwells in the spirit of prayer. Because you are for prayer. You was built for prayer. You was built to talk to God. You was built to cry out their name. Don't. Don't find yourself at an altar. Looking back saying. Oh, where was they? Why ain't they here? Because you didn't pray. Because you didn't hunt. If we can lift our hands all over this place, I believe the Lord is moving in somebody's life. I believe that there is prayers being answered and God's hearing them. For Moses changed the mind of God. I believe that you could change the mind of God. He will hear you. Let's take a moment and reach out to the Lord. Come on, God spoke to our hearts tonight. Let the Spirit of the Lord pray through you right now. There's people that we all know. There's names on our mind. There's faces that are set before us. And God's wanting us to reach and to pray in the name of Jesus. God, as we pray, dispatch angels from this place to stir the hearts of men and women. Let the Spirit of the Lord go to where no man can go. Let it step into the minds of, and souls of individuals. Let it stir their hearts and turn their eyes back towards the Father's house. Oh, let a bird be placed within us that would drive us to reach deeper and harder than we've ever reached before. Grab the hand of the person next to you and begin to pray. Grab your neighbor if it's appropriate and just link your faith up right now. I want you to pray for souls. I want you to pray that the Lord would touch hearts, would stir people's minds. 
God make them miserable until they were surrendered to that touch of heaven and that call of God that is placed upon their life. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. I want you to remember this word that was preached. Uh, remain standing. Thank you, Brother Jeremy, for following the Holy Ghost. Exodus chapter 12. I'll try my best to not keep you too long, but I do feel a direction of the Lord. Exodus chapter 12, verse number 12. Thank you, everyone that made our friends and family day a huge success. Everyone that pitched in, everyone that participated, many, many people were touched. And thank you for that. The Bible says, for I will pass through the land of Egypt this night. Will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial. And ye shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. Ye shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. The next few moments, I want to talk to you from this thought. Deliverance starts with decisions. Deliverance starts with decisions. Lord bless you, you may be seated. As you know, by the time we get to this text that we read, children of Israel have already been in bondage for over 400 years. Generations that all they knew was to be a slave to an Egyptian. And by the time we get to this particular moment, the ungodly Pharaoh had increased their workload and took away their resources, demanding that they keep up with it. And so by the time we're at this point, the people of Israel, the children of the Lord, are wore out. But you know that it is one of the greatest tricks of the enemy to just wear people out. Because you can be wore out and at church and not get anything. You got a check by your name, but you didn't get anything else. And we're living in a day where the Bible says that, that everything that can be shaken will be shaken. That's not necessarily speaking of, uh, of earthquakes. That's speaking of anything that the enemy can do to cause you to lose your footing. He's going to do it. Get you shaken. Cause you to stumble. He can do it by getting you so wore out. You start, you do, you, 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 you get busy doing for God that you stop living for God. 
And I spoke the other night at prayer meeting. There's a difference between activity and accomplishment. You can do a whole lot of stuff and not accomplish anything. You can get to the end of the day and be just so wore out and you just think, what have I really done today other than just wore myself out? And so we're in that setting tonight where the children of Israel are just wore out. And the Lord had sent nine plagues to, to, to disturb or to cause Pharaoh to let the people go. And yet this tenth plague, the Lord said, all right, this is going to be the time. There's deliverance coming. I've got a plan. And by the time this plague or this, this, this tenth plague comes, Pharaoh is going to release you and you're going to be delivered. Can I tell you that there is a, a parallel between the children of Israel that we read of and the New Testament church that we are a part of. We are the spiritual Israel. We are enslaved by nature to this world. We are trapped in this world. Uh, the sin is representative of Egypt. And just as God had a plan to deliver them, I assure you that God has a plan to deliver us from this world. Hey, friend, I'm thankful today that we don't have to live in this world and think that that's all there is to it. But there's something that awaits us on the other side. God said, I have not seen, ear hasn't heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that I have prepared for my people. There's some parallels I want to talk about. If Israel was going to be delivered, their deliverance started with some decisions. And there, if we are going to be delivered and we're going to make it to the other side, then these same decisions they made, we have to make today. First, they had to decide whether or not they would listen to the man of God that was placed in their life. They had a Moses God pulled him out the backside of the wilderness. He was reared and raised in the house of Pharaoh. He understood everything about the Egyptian culture, yet in his heart he knew he was a Hebrew. And he, because he murdered someone, and they found out about it, he took off 40 more years in the wilderness. But see, God had to teach him how to live in the wilderness before he could lead people in the wilderness. Because God cannot expect you to do something without first preparing you for it. And he's, Moses probably thought he was wasting his time in the wilderness. But he was going to lead people through that same wilderness. And he put, God put a Moses in their life. And it was up to the people. Whenever God told him, Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel. It was up to them as to whether or not they were going to listen to what the man of God had to say. Can I tell you tonight that God has placed within his body, within his church, a pastor 
And a pastor is not called to tell you what you want to hear. But he is called to declare the whole counsel of God. And when God says it, and when God speaks it, and when his truth reveals it, then I have to declare and speak what thus saith the Lord. And the Bible says, how shall they hear without a preacher? Bible says that that watchman sees trouble coming and he doesn't say anything then the blood is on his hands but if he sees it and he declares it and he says it then it's no longer on me but it's on the people Friend, don't you realize there are things that I don't want to preach, but it falls upon me because God has called me to this pulpit to declare like Moses, this is what the Lord said. Now, I can't make you do it, but I can say it, and I can decree it. People say, well, I don't have to have a preacher to make it to heaven. I could strongly disagree with you. Oh, I know people. I just watch church online or I watch church on TV. You know, I go, I get, I get all this church. You know, that remote or that mouse can take you to what you like. And it's easy to check out when you don't like it. And there's things that I've come to this pulpit and said, God, why in the world are you asking me to preach this? This isn't something I want to preach. But the Bible says like Paul, woe be unto me if I preach not the gospel. Do you realize how serious and sober it is when I declare, when I I think about having to stand before the Lord and God tells me, why didn't you preach what I told you to preach? Hey friend, I made up my mind whether I like it or not. I've got to declare it. I've got to speak it. And then you got to decide whether or not you want to listen to what the Bible says. There's times, I remember one particular time, I was standing right here in the middle of a service and the Lord spoke to me. He said, I want you to go into your office. I want you to write down what I'm fixing to tell you. I want you to seal it in an envelope and put a person's initials on it and tape it up. And he said, when this person comes to you, you open this envelope and you read exactly what I told you to write on that on that piece of paper. And I said, Lord, this is I've never done this. So I went to my office. I wrote down everything he told me. And I put that person's initials and I sealed it up and I stuck it in a drawer. Months went by. Hadn't touched it. And that person called me and said something and I said before you say anything else I'm going to answer everything before you speak I said I got an envelope in my office I said I'm opening the drawer it's got your initials on it it's taped up I'm unsealing it I'm pulling out the paper and I'm reading to you what the Lord said months ago and I read everything that the Lord said 
And that person just broke down and started crying. Because they had, they, I had no way of knowing anything that they were fixing to tell me or what they were going through. But when God speaks to me, it falls upon me to speak. Whether I realize it, I know it or not, I've got to speak it. And it's up to you to decide, am I going to do what the Lord told me to do? Hey, friend, that's for me. If I want to make it to the other side, I want to do what the man of God tells me. I want to, I want to heed the word of the Lord. I wish I could tell you that God spoke to me like that every single time. But he doesn't. But when he does, I speak. And I declare. Hey, there, I, I think I've proven long enough now. I don't try to make this thing so hard that people can't live it. If I wanted to, I could preach on everything under the sun being wrong. But I believe living for God is about balance. We're in the world. We have to exist in the world. But we are not of the world. We don't have to agree and harmonize with their mindset and their philosophies. We can still stand out and be a light in a dark world. Amen? And let me say this, parents. There's times that your young person isn't going to like what I say. You know how I know that? Because I didn't like everything my pastor said. But you're not called to be their friend. You're called to be the parent. And to help them make it to heaven. Which means, hey, we support the pulpit. We get behind the pulpit. Now, that first decision. Leads right into the second decision. Let's put up on the screen verse number four. We're going to, of, of Exodus chapter 12. I went longer than 15 minutes. It's a good thing I didn't have a time limit on me. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls, every man according to the house. Verse five. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. Ye shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. And ye shall keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. They shall take of the blood and strike it on the two doorposts and on the lintels wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread. Watch this. I've read this many times, and I just caught it. And with bitter herbs, they shall eat it. With bitter herbs, they shall eat it. You're not going to like the taste of everything the man of God tells you to do. Now, when do you cook something and you use bitterness or bitter herbs. We want something that we like the taste of it. We want something that's good and easy on the palate. But the man of God said, this is what you got to do. And you're not going to like how it tastes. The Bible says that the day would come where men would have itching ears. Give us what we like. 
Give us what we want. Don't tell us that sin is wrong and is going to send us to hell. Don't tell us that we're, what we're doing and how we're acting is wrong. Give us something that is, is easy to digest. But friend, if they want a deliverance, they had to make a decision that I'm going to do whatever the man of God tells me to do, whether I like how it tastes or not. We have drank the Kool-Aid of inspiration way too long. Inspire me. You realize we got so many self or, or, or self-help books and more people that need help? Obviously, something's not working. Let me tell you how you can get help is do what the book tells you to do. Well, Jeremy, one way I knew that you're you know that you're growing is because your first time you preach conviction. It's easy to get up here and preach fluff. It's easy to preach on praise and faith. But what you heard was the heartbeat of God tonight, which puts us under conviction. That's not something that's easy to preach or something that we want to hear. It had bitter herbs, but it's what will save us. It is what will save souls. He said, you take that lamb. It's going to cost you something. Living for God costs something. Living for God costs something. I'm not talking about money. It's going to cost you worldly relationships. It's going to cost you things that you may not want to give up. But if you want to be delivered, you've got to make some decisions. I have literally had people tell me, I know what you're telling me to do is the right thing to do, but I just can't do it. Because it was bitter herbs. I didn't like the taste of it. Wasn't easy to digest. We, we, like, that, that, we like that soft serve ice cream. Just smear it all over our face. We want that stuff that's easy to digest. We want that faith and that shouting and that praise and all of that good stuff. But don't start doing some surgery on me. Don't start showing me things about me that's not right. But it's my responsibility to sometimes put bitter herbs on what you're supposed to do and what you're supposed to eat. You got to make that decision. If you're going to be delivered, you got to take it all, whether you like it or not. I, I know I, I've shared this before, and my former pastor he passed away in '99, and he had a lady come up to him and said, "Pray for us. We're going to be moving." Well, that right there is like, why do you want me to pray? Why Why are you asking me what what the Lord says when you already made up your mind? That's like going to the doctor and telling the doctor what's wrong with you. Why'd you go? Give them money if you know what's wrong with you. And he went to prayer and the Lord told him, tell her that they were in a money bind. And they were sold their house for, or were going to sell their house for like $30,000. And the Lord said, tell her, not yet. If she'll be patient, I'll take care of it. Well, so when she came back, she said, all right, we're moving. He said, 
Well, the Lord told me to tell you, if you'll just be patient, he'll take care of it. Because they weren't moving because they wanted to move. They were moving because they wanted money. They needed money. And they were moving states. And they got mad. And they took their ball and they moved. Didn't, didn't phase him any. He just did what the, he said what the Lord said. Wouldn't you know about six weeks later, the casino came through. And they were going to build, and they needed the her exact piece of property that her house was on. They had to have it, and they paid over $130,000 for that little piece of property and tore down the house. The Lord didn't say no. He just said, just be patient. Just be patient. Sometimes you got to take the good and the bad together and trust that God knows what he's doing. You got to decide. Watch this. Let's keep going. Eat not of it raw, nor sod it all with water, but roast with fire his head with his legs and with the pertinence thereof. And ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning. And that which remaineth of it until the morning, ye shall burn with fire. You got to decide to keep your fire going. I can't keep it going for you. I can't make you pray. I can't make you go to a prayer room. You have to make that decision. Watch this. And thus she shall ye eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Y'all don't know what's coming. You got to decide to dress like you're supposed to dress. The Lord said, if you want deliverance, there's some things that I've got to outline for you. And when it's time for deliverance, you better be dressed like you're supposed to be dressed. Listen to me. Holiness matters. It's not a set of rules that we have to abide by to appease a preacher. But it's because God said if you want to make it to the other side, then you better be dressed like you're supposed to be dressed. Oh, I'm going to preach a little bit. Hey, friend, I don't care what that other pastor says. I don't care what the church down the road is doing. I want to do what this book is asking me to do because God is asking it of me. Now, y'all had no idea where I was going, but I'm there now. How we dress is a representation of our relationship with the Lord. It is. And I, I went to a restaurant yesterday in Dallas, me and a preacher friend of mine, and we walked in, and as soon as we walked in, I mean just within a forefoot, there was a desk, and there was a big sign right here. I mean, it, they wanted it to be the first thing you saw. And I wish I would have took a picture of it. 
You know what it said? This is how you got a dress to come into this restaurant. And it started listing what they allowed in this restaurant. No, no, no sagging pants, no shorts, no cutoffs, and all this kind of, and I looked at that and I went, I told this to my pastor friend, I said, people will let a restaurant tell them how to dress, but it won't let a church or a pastor tell them how to dress. Something's wrong with that. That restaurant isn't trying to save your soul. They're trying to fill your belly. And people will do everything a restaurant wants them to do, but they will argue when a man of God is trying to save their soul on how to get to heaven. Something wrong with that picture. Something wrong with that picture. There's people. Listen, y'all know this. There's no secrets at Catahoula Parish. And I'm going to tell you this. You might be on Facebook, a picture of you, and not even realize you're on Facebook. Because other people can snap pictures, and you're not dressed like you should have been dressed. And you didn't have the opportunity to proof their pictures. And we know if it's on Facebook, it's true. So, I know people that, oh, Lord, help Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. Not here. When I was evangelizing, I know preachers that went on cruises and forgot to tell the people they were with to not put pictures of them on Facebook. Because they were not dressed like they asked their people to dress. First, I'm not going to ask you to do something that I don't already do myself. Secondly, if you do what you're supposed to do, you don't have to worry if your picture ends up on social media. Thank you, Brother Maurice. So let's solve it. Just do what you're supposed to do anyway. Then you ain't got to worry about texting somebody saying, hey, please don't put this on social media. Oh, this is good preaching here. You get your money's worth tonight. Hey, we are living in a day and age where the world is trying to erase anything black and white. Trying to remove all absolutes. And if we let that mindset get in the, in the church, then we are doomed. Because the Bible is black and white. It is right and wrong. I went to a store yesterday in the mall. In Dallas, and I realized I'm not in Catahoula anymore because these people are weird. And I, I was, I, you know, usually if someone's got sugar in the tank, you can tell. And, I mean, they just, I guess I could say that. Tell the pastor on me. But I walked in this, in this cologne store, 
And, it, I mean, it was pinkies up walking in here. It was just real ritzy. And there was, you walk in and there's, you walk down this long deal like this island at the end, there's a counter and all these different clones. And it, when I saw him from the distance, it looked like a man. It was a gentleman. His hair was normal, mustache. And I got closer and he was wearing a long shirt thing. I don't know how to describe it. Long deal, like kind of a half nightgown looking thing that a woman would wear, and a skirt and shoes. And I thought, all right. And all I was waiting on him was to open his mouth and say, hey, y'all. But when he opened his mouth, it was real deep. And I went, I wasn't expecting that. I turned to my buddy when we walked out and said, I don't think this guy knows what he's trying to do because he looks like a man, talks like a man, but he ain't dressing like a man. Hey, that's the world that we live in. And why do we look to the world for our fashion choices? And why do we look to the world to dictate who we are? Hey, friend, we're a part of the church. We need to know how to dress. Hey, you know, I don't have no notes. I should have wrote some of this out. I can't preach against enough loopholes. They got everything now under the sun. But you know what the Bible says? Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. Hey, if you want it, you can be, I promise you, I can't catch everything. Number one, I don't have time to drive around and check you. Not the police. I don't have time, nor do I want to do that. My responsibility is to preach it. You have to decide, are you going to do it? Are you going to do it? There's, there's, there's not enough things. Hey. Oh, Lord, help us. Okay, here we go. Buckle up. You ready? I am trying my best to not get it and make anybody ticked off tonight. Bible says, set no wicked thing before our eyes. That's just as much holiness. And let me say this. Holiness is not just about how you dress. Okay? Because I could control how I dress. But holiness also involves looking at how other people dress. Okay, let me break it down for you like this. I, had a, I, I rode a motorcycle when I was in my early 20s. I know I don't look like a motorcycle rider, but I loved it. I loved it until I had children because I found out I could be the safest motorcycle driver on the road. But it was all the other idiots that could have killed me. I could control me. But I couldn't control everybody else. 
Touch your neighbor and say, you might want to pray after he's done. This is why we don't mix bathe. Woo! Because I can be fully clothed and I can control me, but I can't control everybody else on the water. And I can be like I need to be. But my eyes are going to be exposed to everybody else around me. And you wouldn't let people in bikinis walk through your yard. And set up lawn chairs 20 feet from you. Should I, maybe I shouldn't have said bikini. I'm sorry. I heard, oh, I heard a preacher say it like this before. A lady came to him wanting to know if it was all right for her to wear a swimming suit out in public. And he replied, would you wear your undergarments out in public? And she said, well, no. And he said, well, it's the same thing, different material. Oh, that was good, huh? Holiness. If you're going to be delivered, if you're going to make it to the other side, then you got to dress like you're supposed to dress. And you got to make sure your eyes are not seeing things that you're not supposed to be seeing. Now, I could play on this screen right here all kind of things that has inappropriate uh, dress on it and men and women in inappropriate and swimming suits and if I started playing it right now y'all would think I lost my mind you won't dare watch it in church you're just okay to watch it everywhere else just not right here in church what's the difference what's the difference what I'm trying to say unto you that sounded very KJV. What I'm trying to say to you is that everything matters in regards to holiness. Everything. And listen, I, I can tell when people aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. Because sometimes people have a hard time talking to me when they know they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. How did, the, what did the Lord say? Your countenance is falling. Your countenance is falling. Look, I'm not here chasing you. I'm not here keeping tabs on you. I'm not trying to give you a grade on how well you're doing and submit the report card to God. That's not my job. My job is to be the watchman on the wall and tell you, hey, the car is on fire. You need to get out of the car. You need to turn this thing around. You need to try to do better. You need to try to live according to the word of God. Stand with me right now. The last thing I want is to be standing next to you at judgment. And you say, Brother Stevenson, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you preach it harder? 
Hey, I'd rather make heaven by a mile than miss it by an inch. I'd rather God say, you didn't really have to do all that, but I'm glad you did. Then the Lord say, if you'd have just done a little bit more, you'd have made it. You'd have made it. Hey, deliverance starts with decisions. You got to choose if you're going to listen to the man of God. You got to choose if you're going to digest everything that he's trying to say. You got to choose to follow peace and holiness with all men, without which no man shall see the Lord. Amen. As the musicians come, come. I think it'd be appropriate in order for us to find a place at this altar and say, God. I want to make the right decisions.